Hey, and welcome to Peripheral Thinking, uh, my series of conversations with activists, advisors, entrepreneurs, people all working uh, on the margins, on the periphery, because the ideas which will shape the mainstream tomorrow are hiding there on the margins today. Now, this conversation is the last of uh, a three-part conversation. So if you're starting here, uh, I would suggest duck out quickly and head back and look at conversation one with James. James is a storyteller, in fact, a kind of master of the art of story. And this conversation is actually a conversation that I had on his podcast. And I suggest you check out his podcast too, uh, which is really looking at the role of story and how we might seed and create new story, uh, seed and create that cult story into culture uh, as a means of, of shifting how we kind of think about and see and how we live in the world. Uh, and so, as I said, this conversation is a, is a conversation from uh, his podcast. It's three parts. This is the third part, the third, the shortest part. Uh, and in this part of the conversation, I mean, the, the whole series, the whole arc of the conversation, if you like, has been around the story of growth, the pervasive story of growth, which runs its way through our entire culture uh, and the problems of that. And we've been talking about alternatives to that story of growth, where it trips us up, what the problems of it might be, helping people sort of see this story and where it where it turns up, i.e. everywhere uh, in our culture. In this last little bit of the conversation... James and I talk a little bit about the Buddha's attitude towards earning more uh, and why that might actually be okay. Uh, and as well, we also talk about the importance of a personal metaphor. Um, I have recorded one of the other little episodes in this peripheral thinking series was talking about uh, trees, trees as a metaphor. Uh, and uh, in this conversation, we talk about the importance of a metaphor as a as a kind of frame, as a story which helps us think about our own lives. So um, if you've dived in already to parts one and two of this conversation, uh, I hope you enjoy this part three. Uh, and uh, if you're this is where you're beginning, like I said, I do encourage you go back, check out those earlier parts first. Uh, and then hopefully you get here all in good time. But for now, it's back to uh, James and Ben talking story. We've had, a, I think, a pretty good look at, uh, at this subject, subject of growth. And I think it's, you know, it, it is a really important one to, to address because, I mean, even uh, number eight of the uh, European Sustainability Development Goals, the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, is a uh, decent work and economic growth, and it's like uh, you know I appreciate that, but I really think that needs a caveat. That this idea of uh, of economic growth, um, and I wonder if we could you know if we were writing the little uh, if we were going to rewrite the sort of sub paragraph of uh, of that, how would we define what would what would how would we caveat? Yeah. That, that what statement? was the first bit of it? What what kind of work? Decent, decent work. work. Decent. Yeah, so I mean that that definitely feels important. Um, the economic growth. So the, I guess the question is around economic growth. So uh, somewhere on the bookshelf behind me, there is um, a, a book on a Buddhism book. So in the Buddha's teachings, there was a set of teachings that he gave 
called the numerical discourses, <laughs> which obviously don't sound like the most interesting teachings in the world, but it was basically teachings for lay people, so people like us, people who are not monks essentially, uh, in, in relating to how they should think about work and how they should think about money. And obviously there's lots in the kind of Buddhist teachings around work actually and work that you might do and work that you might not do. And this, you know, I don't offer these things because I'm saying that people should be kind of Buddhist. I think there's just interesting kind of philosophy in it in terms of how we wander, how we might wander through our lives. So there's basically a few things he says is, you know, doesn't make good sense to do work, which is relating to help, you know, feeding people's addiction, not good work to sort of facilitate war um, and uh, not good work that kind of involves sort of generally killing things. So they were his kind of guidelines for, for work. So assuming those things are kind of in play, when he was talking specifically around money, he was saying, or so the teaching goes, you know, money in and of itself, right, isn't actually the problem. And uh, that your work is oriented, is intended to actually increasing what you have, that too is not a problem, right? But, you know, the question then becomes, well, how much are you trying to increase and for what purpose, for to what intention? Which actually goes all the way back in a sense to what you were talking about earlier around whether the relationship to greed. Because what he, what the teachings basically are sort of saying is, you know, actually that your work does increase incrementally the money that you have each year. That is not a bad thing. In fact, that might be a good thing because that money can be used to support the security and well-being of your family. That money can be used to support the security and well-being of the community of which you are part. And so this idea that actually working to increase your wealth in and of itself is not the problem. Uh, working to increase your wealth so that you are able to distribute it. Working to increase your wealth so that you are able, you're better able to take care of yourself and take care of the people to which you are connected. That is really sound and good use of money. And so, you know, like if in case anybody kind of wanted the permission to do it, there is the permission from the Buddha himself, I've relayed here today, that it is okay to work in service of increasing the money that you have. The question is what you then do with the money. So it's kind of, you know, it could be a responsible economic growth. And perhaps rather than decent work, maybe it would be meaningful work. But I understand decency, I imagine, has a kind of, you know, health and safety aspect to it, you know. I wonder if responsible economic growth is the... Uh if that's actually all it yeah. would take. Yeah, and, and obviously these words all start to become, which obviously you will have a much better feel for than me, the, the words start to become a bit kind of meaningless. But in a sense, like it's the spirit of something which is generative, isn't it? So generative kind of, you know, that I'm using this growth in service of other people's well-being, other people's growth in service of a service that starts to feel a bit more wholesome. That starts to feel, going back to kind of the metaphor that we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, that I kind of understand that, you know, that the the economic growth is in service of the whole forest that the tree is plugged into, the whole garden that the tree is plugged into, uh, not just in kind of protecting and making that tree as big as it can be, because the bigger it gets, the more disconnected it becomes from everything which it was supposed to be connected to, and then in the end it will die. Yes, it's a it's a nurturing, sort of circular, cyclical, uh, interconnected development, perhaps we would say, um, uh, kind of evolution, uh, of course, of which kind of growing and dying is part of 
Yeah, the other thing which comes to mind to just around the money, I remember having a conversation on my podcast with an economist because I was talking about money. I was just really curious to understand, you know, like where money comes from and which is like this whole real sort of confusing sort of stream. Uh, and I use that word sort of uh, accidentally and intentionally because the point that he was making when we were talking about money is um, like if you think about the words that are used to describe this current currency, there are banks. Actually, a lot of the language around money, uh, and this is an economist who was telling me this, you know, comes from these idea of flow, comes from the idea of movement, comes from, you know, the, and actually what has tended to happen is the 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 financial accumulation we hold on to for a lot of the reasons that we've sort of speaking about rather than we understand its movement we understand the flow we understand that as a kind of that it's it's a it, you know in service of giving in a sense that again just that little that little twist that little sort of uh, um switch it's yeah it's all of it can still have come before you know you can still be the the lion uh, and you can still take and you can still kind of you can grow but in service of of giving might just uh might just kind of close the the loop or rather you know put it back into the uh into the the, the sort of feedingness rather than a kind of a, a pure like pure extraction pure kind of consumption one way it's just turning that if it was an image it would be turning that uh, upward you know arrow into a kind of actually a much more complex uh, uh, and not uh, of interconnectedness and change. Um, I think it would be nice to uh, also give, like, take it right back down to the kind of personal level again, uh, the sort of human, the human level of what could, what can, what can people do? I mean, you spoke about these ideas to sort of like embody this, this sense of kind of uh, secular growth of, uh, uh, cyclical evolution, you know, with a sort of still kind of like getting better. Um, and you spoke about these kind of these little deaths that you can you can perform this sort of pruning. Um, and you talk about your kind of praxis of uh, of sort of change. You were going to change. You were going to kill your writing in the cafe and go somewhere new and see how it changes. Would you have any other uh, any other any other gifts you might kind of like to give to? Uh, to sort of help us with our own um, yeah evolution, mm. let's say. I'm kind of reminded reminded of a conversation I had with a, a friend who is kind of out of work at the moment because of a health related thing, but he's in a kind of big corporate job, right? So big corporate, big big job, one of those big role, big job, massive company kind of thing. So he has he's now in this forced thing where he's not he's not going to be at work for about six months because of a thing going on. And um, we were sort of talking, we've been having conversations about things that he might sort of be doing over that. And uh, one of the conversations we had, which was uh, sort of over a kind of walk and walk and a talk and a coffee was um, was around sort of symbolism and metaphors a little bit. And uh, I was talking about my metaphor of the tree, um, which is like one in the garden. And he was remembering like in the kind of big corporate sort of thing, like, when in early on in his career, and obviously he was like on one of those like fast track things. So having been earmarked from quite early on to you know likely end up in a really senior thing was on like a leadership training thing, and they were getting him to think about uh, images, symbols, metaphors, and the metaphor that he had in his mind right was lighthouse that he was going to be a lighthouse. 
And uh, like he was saying, when he reflected back on it, like that felt like quite a sort of powerful thing. But equally, like when you kind of then feel about where he is now, where there is a health-related thing and he's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. blah. But it's like this idea of kind of lighthouse, that you're this man-made tower built on rocks to protect people, to point people away and protect people from stormy, deathly seas. You know, huge kind of responsibility and pressure that kind of comes from that. Uh, and uh, so I guess one of the one of the conversations that he and I were having was about actually spending some time to think about a metaphor, to think of, or to reflect on a, a kind of metaphor, an image, which actually kind of reminds you of. And he was in, like his where he kind of got to was thinking, oh, actually, you know, clearly that doesn't feel like a metaphor of now. That was like a metaphor for before. And his words were, I feel like I need an image which is a bit more fluid, a bit more, actually, he just said, I feel like I need an image which is a bit more fluid. Uh, and, uh, and I think that, you know, in a way is another really useful place to start. What is the metaphor that I hold up to sort of, to remind me about how I want to be, the type of work I want to do, how I want to be at work today? What is that metaphor that I hold up? And, you know, there is value and usefulness in taking the time to reflect on what that might be. Because like for me, it is the tree, right? So like I said, there is an actual tree in my garden. There is, that is the tree that I kind of remind myself of. And so like when he was asking me, what is it? Is that about a thing that I'm sort of aspiring to? It's like, no, no, it's just, you know, it's just, it's an ever present. It's like, it's a, it's a reminder of orientation. It's a reminder of intention. And it is also a, a teacher and guide just to kind of, just to bring me back to the kind of, the, the kind of the ideas, the principles, the stories, if you like, which are important to me. So I guess one of the useful things that I would suggest that people do is reflect on what image is it that you default to? What is the metaphor you default to, which frames how you go about your life? And is that a metaphor which needs updating? Where does that meta metaphor come from, come from? Is there a metaphor which might kind of more positively point you to the other aspects that you might want to grow, the other stories that you might want to grow that might be born of a, of a more wholesome growth, for want of a better phrase? That's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. We can all go off and find our personal uh, growth symbol. I think I, I like the idea of these kind of, you know, rather than the lion on the shield, you know, now you've, you've got a tree and someone's got a, yeah, a, a dandelion um, spreading its uh, seeds. It's a, uh, yeah, find your kind of, and obviously, you know, you perhaps don't want to predicate, uh, it has to be nature, but I think that's just the perfect example. Okay, it was a phallic tower you know it was beaming out light you know like it was this like, conquering nature uh you're standing tall mm. above it and you know like keeping it in in check um to something yeah something more fluid something more uh that that kind of resonates that's something that uh, that everybody can do and i think to hold these kind of to hold these uh, these metaphors to hold these sort of symbols these stories in our mind it gives us a a frame gives us a sort of frame of reference and a frame of reflection that is uh, that is just invaluable especially to sort of check back into as you as you describe it to, to sort of look and kind of okay re readjust readjust to it um yeah and let's do this and let's see uh, how then these um uh these kind of individual stories then trickle up to the to the kind of global global stage i look forward to seeing that happen Wonderful. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time and uh, for your uh, 
thank you to the Buddha for your for his uh, for his for his insight. We must uh, thank you to the Buddha for your to your tree. Yeah, perfect. I hope you enjoyed that. That was the last part of this three-part epic adventure looking at uh, the the story of growth, uh, which is the all-pervasive story of our time. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this way of breaking things up too, this kind of three-part idea, trying to keep things a little bit more accessible for you. So I'd really welcome your feedback on that. And if you, if anyone you know would be interested, is you think would benefit from hearing a little bit more about some of the ideas that James and I talk about in this, then please do share it with them. Uh, for now, Thank you for listening. I really appreciate you lending me your ears uh, and I look forward to us sharing voice and hearing at some point in the future. Uh, and if you're kind of curious about this podcast more generally, do check over, head over to our website. It's peripheral-thinking.com. You'll find all the information there, all the other episodes there, and of course the opportunity to sign up to the newsletter so I can let you know uh, as soon as new episodes come out. And until then, thank you and goodbye.